Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire podcasts. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 232. Manticores. Hi, everyone. Today, I have another interview, another in my series of solitaire gaming interviews. Today, we are talking with John of Tales of the Manticore. This is really exciting. I only ever first heard of Tales of the Manticore, thanks to the Errant Adventures podcast. Um, and... I started listening to this and wow, it's such a cool show. So hi, John, how are you doing? I'm great, Albert. Great to meet you. And thanks for having me on. And um, likewise, I found out about you guys because of your interview with Aaron Adventures. So we, that's our that's our uh, point uh, that we have in common. <laughs> that's our common that's denominator. Funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's funny. That's right. So so you have a podcast I mean, similar to Aaron Adventures in that yes. you're, you're telling stories but what well, by playing a game solitaire? That's right. It's it's a it's an experiment in um, in fiction, experiment in storytelling. I wanted to kind of combine um, sort of old time radio drama with uh, the randomness and sort of procedural uh, generative quality of um, of RPGs and and specifically like D and D. Okay. Um... So I have a couple of questions here that I wrote down mm-hmm. and sort of a guideline to go through this. And it's the same things I've been asking everybody. And we've already jumped into it. What's your show about? <laughs> so the show is, uh, it's a classic D&D um, uh, adventure that uh, I don't have an ending in mind. So it's very much like a game in that uh, it sort of spools out as it goes. And, mm-hmm. um, but it's narrated like a radio drama. So that, that's kind of like the, in a nutshell, what it is, it's, it's a, it's a hybrid it part, part RPG and part audio drama. And, uh, the, uh, the other wrinkle is that, um, mo- mostly because the pandemic forced this, um, it's also a solo game. So, um, I probably would have <laughs> tried to corral, corral some people into doing this with me, um, if I could have, but it wasn't an option when I started. And so I, I just went solo. Oh, okay. Had you played uh, solo RPGs before? Never. And if you'd asked me if I was interested, I would have been like zero interest, none. Mm-hmm. But but now, now I get it. Now I get it. But mm-hmm. yeah, before I started doing it, I, I probably would have, um, to be honest, I probably would have scoffed and, and thought, no, that, <laughs> that can't possibly work. Right. And that's quite reasonable because... Because role playing is so much about the social interaction. Exactly. At least yeah. when you got multiple people, yeah. And, and not just the social part, uh, the laughing and, and the camaraderie, but also like bouncing ideas off people. I, I didn't think it would be possible to have um, a DM and the player be the same person. That just didn't <laughs> uh-huh. seem like it could possibly work. It turns out it can. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it works quite well in your show. It does. So- it works well. Yeah. Like, or, or in Steve's show, like Aaron Adventures. I mean, yeah, these are. It, it's it's a really interesting way to generate fiction. Mm-hmm, that's true. Mm-hmm. I, I recently played a game called um, Ad, called Ad, Journey. It's a solo RPG, and it's uh-huh. it's both a solo RPG and a, a tool to help writers create worlds that they're playing. Yeah, and um, it's really really simple. You you play by drawing a card and figuring out what's going to happen. And I uh-huh. I was surprised what an interesting story was coming out of that. Really light, really simple game about world building and. By the time I'm done, I'm thinking, boy, this would be a really cool book. I would love to read this someday. Yeah, it's funny you say that. When I was a when I was a kid, um, like a teenager playing D and D in my friend's apartment, um, we would always wrap up sessions and be like, "Oh, if only like we should we should write a book." And actually, like we tried, <laughs> we were we were terrible, so it was it was unreadably bad. But 
But we thought, like after every game, we thought this would make such a good book. This would make such a good movie. I think a lot of people have that experience, right? Mm, Yep. Yep. I remember with my friend saying, oh, we should turn our our life story into a TV show, which may have worked. We were not the writers for it. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's, and a lot of it is just experience, I think. You know, speaking speaking of writing, I am curious, uh, since you are writing stories in your podcast, this is mm. currently we're in the middle of NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. Yeah. Yeah. Did you participate in that? Somebody recently asked me that. And I, not specifically that, but I write every day. So kind of, yes. <laughs> uh, insofar that I'm, I'm, I'm sort of writing or gaming slash writing. I, I don't know what the verb is, right, uh, to <laughs> use, but gaming slash writing, I'm doing that pretty much every day. Um, and so I'm generating this story constantly. And when I'm not writing about it, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it on the subway, on the way to work, on the way back, go take a walk, go take a shower. I'm pretty much always thinking about the story, but it actually it consumes so much of my time. I can't do anything else like writing a novel, maybe, maybe way down the line, but I've sort of fallen in love with the freedom that uh, I found not having to know the ending. And I found like mm-hmm. what always stopped me from writing a novel in the past uh, is that I didn't have the the capacity of like the intellectual capacity, I guess, to hold the whole story in my head. I would have some great characters, maybe some great scenes that I would like to play out, but I never knew like what would be an ending that would be so satisfying that it could justify writing a whole novel. Um, and like, you'd, you'd write like Stephen King. How does he write? Oh, he just starts writing. But <laughs> I felt like that's maybe he can do that. I was pretty sure I couldn't do that. And that's why I had so many like false starts of writing in the past. Okay. But, but now that I do it this way, I, I kind of never want to turn back like this. This is it for me. I lo- I love oh, wow, okay. writing this way. It's extremely liberating. I never have to worry about what happens next because like dice are going to decide that for me or at least point me in the right direction. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So you, you said your, your show is a, a radio drama style show. Yeah. Now it's worth emphasizing this because it is unlike any other podcast I listen to. It's weird. It's a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> the quality of the audio is just so high on this. Oh, thank you. It, Thanks. It really is. It's like a radio show. It really is. It's got music. It's got voice act. And okay, fair enough. This is not a solo endeavor because you do have some voice actors. In I it. do. I recruit. <laughs> I recruit constantly. Mm-hmm. But they're they're just reading. Well, not just reading is uh, is not giving them the credit they deserve because I'm sure they put a lot into the character. The I think way they do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, what the way that works is. Um, Quite often people will, well, when I started out, I was just begging anybody I could find, please do a voice, please do a voice for my weird show. Uh, but then it started to grow uh, an audience and um, people started to like hear about it. And there was a bit of buzz. Uh, and uh, over time, people would come to me and say like, what's the process for like, how do I audition? And um, I, I would say, you know what, if you're like a fan of the show and, and you're willing to do this and you've got a microphone, you're hired. Like that's the audition. <laughs> yeah. If you ask, you've already hired. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. The, um, yeah, it's, it really sounds good because, because you put a lot of effort into it. You must spend hours and hours. I spent a, lot said of, writing. I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time doing the audio as well. Uh, it's, it's a labor of love though. Like I enjoy all the aspects, but yeah, I'll do like a minimum hour a day, sometimes two. Okay. Wow. That's a lot of time. This show, I mean, I 
Normally we, we record every week. It's about mm-hmm. a half hour recording. It might go an hour or so. And then the editing is maybe twice that. And that's, that's about as much time as I put into it. Yeah. And yeah. I, for, unlike for me, you, it's not work at all, though. I mean, it's it's play. I'm playing. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, yeah, I do this because I want to hear my show. I mm-hmm. actually listen to it after I've published it. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I started a podcast. I'm a fan of it. And that makes it so much easier. It's not work. It's it's part of the fun. Like yeah. you said, to play. Exactly. And I mean, it's really working for you guys. You guys have had a lot of success, haven't you? I mean, <laughs> I I keep listening to it. That's really, for me, that's all that matters, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I in terms of success, I don't know how else you rate it, listeners and all that. Mm. I have no idea how to compare that to other podcasts. Not, nobody ever says what they Fair do. enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. And but actually, yeah. to be honest, when you do what, what we do, it's probably better to, to never look at the numbers, right? Because <laughs> it's just like, if you love doing it, do it. The end. And, you yeah. know, if, yeah. Yeah. Mm. The numbers may be higher, low, as long as you're happy with it. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so I am curious about your show in terms of. And I'm going off my script here because I'm not asking, going, focusing on the questions. Like, hmm. um, how you 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 are gaming, but you're yeah. also writing a story. Yeah. How much of it is the game? I don't even know. What I'm trying to get at here. Like, is it a separate process for you, gaming versus writing a story, or is that the same thing? It's kind of, it's kind of the same, and it's it's something that I've kind of felt out as I went. Like like you said, there's there's not much like this out there. There there's a couple of things that are similar. Uh, but there's not much. And when I started, there was almost nothing that I could find that was anything like it. And so I really was feeling out the process as I went. But the, the way it kind of goes is um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll sort of set a, a scenario or, or find out, you know, where did I leave off last time? Mm-hmm. And um, and then I'll just kind of think, well, I'll, I'll start writing. What, what do the characters do? Are they going into a dungeon. Great. What does it look like? Imagine that type it out. So at that point, I'm just like a, a DM describing what do you see? So it's a very game ish, except I'm typing it and it's in third person instead of, you know, second person, you see this, you walk into a room, but it's a third person. So, but almost the same. Mm-hmm. And then I think, okay, um, is there, is there a combat? Well, if there's a combat or, um, it does my thief have to do something that would require dice rolling whenever dice rolling is required. I just reach for dice. And so then I've kind of put the DM hat to the side, put on the player hat and, and roll dice and see if there's a success. If there is, narrate that. If it's a failure, narrate that. And it's amazing to me, like how easy a process it is. Like I don't run into uh, conflicts of interest between like, what would the player know? What would the DM know? All of these uh, problems that you might imagine would come up. Mm-hmm. They they don't actually it's extremely organic and natural and it doesn't feel exactly like playing an rpg game around a table with friends because it's not and it doesn't feel like writing because it's not it's really does feel like something else it's hard to put into words because um i don't have anything to really compare it to that's interesting okay the are you are you invested in the character i mean i'm sure you are but like Definitely. Do you, do you feel a conflict of interest sometimes? <laughs> no. One one decision I made from the beginning was to never fudge your role, and so I just follow like what would be logical if, um, and, and also what what uh, fits with classic D anD D. Like if I think about what's classic D anD D, I think a, a chest with a poison needle. Actually, that's never showed up on my show, but that could. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, is there a, is there a treasure chest? Okay, 
classic D and D says that there's maybe there's a poison needle in there that would fit with you know that's a trope of of D and D games. Okay, there's a poison needle in there, and then like when I make the roll for the for the thief to like disarm it or whatever, um, I I have made a decision from the very beginning. Whatever the dice say, that goes. So if okay. the character dies, they die, and mm-hmm. and then. Like I say at the beginning of every show, like the only survivor is the is the story, or the only guaranteed survivor is yeah. the story, uh, and so uh, there can be and there have been character deaths along the way, and actually I do feel them just as much as uh, a player in a game would. Like there, I'm kind of in love with these characters, and mm-hmm. to lose them is heartbreaking. But I'm I am willing to lose them because without without those stakes, without like um, the possibility of of possibly ultimate consequences, then there's no, there's no sense of adventure. There's no excitement. Right. And so you lose, you lose something. If you lose a character, you, you gain something too. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. The fact, the fact that you could lose them is part of what makes you attached to them in the first place, right? If you weren't concerned about them, you you wouldn't be concerned. You wouldn't care. Exactly. I think that's why I kind of prefer um, higher stakes games. Uh, Mm, Yeah. That kind of, that, you know those those uh, old school game um, associations with like high stakes, lower magic, lower power, more like more zero, less hero, that kind of thing. I enjoy that more. One of the things I like about your show is that at first I thought this is not really a good example of a, a solitaire gaming show because it's it's really a, listening to a story. This guy's doing mm. making a story, so it's not a gaming podcast. But the more I've listened to it, I think the more I realize that's not true at all because. It's, a, it's actually a great example of how to play a game and how to make decisions and all that. And yeah, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely a game. It's, I guess it's more like a narrative game. Um, I haven't played it, but I've heard of Thousand Year Old Vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. that, and I guess that's an extremely narrative one, right? Yeah. Uh, which is essentially a writing game, maybe even game in quotation marks. So it, I it think very much, yes. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a writing exercise with prompts, that's what it is. Yeah, and so my mine would if there's a spectrum of you know purely mechanical to purely narrative, mine is a little bit more on the narrative side, but I don't think it's all the way over there. There's um, like if I spend an episode and I don't have any dice rolling, I I messed up. So <laughs> like I'm, I'm conscious of that while I'm going. If I if I'm writing a script and I now I'm, now that I've done it for a while, I have a sense of you know by by page twelve. I'm kind of at the two thirds mark of, of the episode. If I don't have dice rolling by then I, I'm going to find a reason to put dice rolling in because <laughs> it's got it. It's got to feel like a game every episode and, and a story too. But I don't, I don't want to forget that I'm playing a game and just start writing a novel. Cause there's always, it could go that way. It yeah, could certainly go that I way. I could see if you're really into something, you could ease and you've got an idea yeah. what should happen. You could easily yeah. write it out and keep going and going. Yeah, and, and you yeah. want to throw in that randomness and chaos of a. Yeah, I really do. So if I can like work in a random table or um, like a, a reaction role with an NPC or something, like even even if it's something small, uh, there's got to be game elements in every every single episode, or I've I've screwed up. Okay, so the way I'm used to solo role playing, I have a game, and yeah. it's either a solo specific role playing game, or I'm playing a, a regular role playing game with an emulator. Yeah, that helps guide me as the DM. But you're doing everything on yourself. You don't have an emulator. You're just 
playing by the D&D right. rules and yeah. any rules you come up with on your own. So when I started, I had never, like, I, di- I didn't know emulators were a thing. I'd mm-hmm. never heard of a, a GME. I'd never heard of Mythic. All of that kind of came to my attention after I'd started. Uh, and d- two, two things that have kind of come of that is that one is I found out I don't need them. Mm-hmm. And and two, I love them. Like I don't I don't use them <laughs> because I didn't start doing that, and I felt it would be weird to introduce that partway through. But um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, me, myself, and Die, or you know, like Iron Sworn that that Steve mm-hmm. Morrison uses. Um, the like those tables of uh, what is it like adjective noun? Is that how they work? Anyway, those tables of like um, defensively hesitant or whatever you rolled on those tables. I adore that. I think it is genius. Like Tana Pigeon mm-hmm. who came up with Mythic. I feel like it, it's grossly um, underrated how, how, how brilliant that is and what a big deal that is for not just gaming, but like storytelling. Like if, mm-hmm. if that kind of thing isn't being used in Hollywood script writing rooms, <laughs> it should be because like that kind of thing, it, it prompts your imagination in, it pushes you in directions that are so uncomfortable and weird. You can't help but come up with very fresh things that you never would have thought of. Like yeah. the, all the lazy impulses to take your first or your second idea, that's out the window with with Mythic and things like that, Iron Sworn. Um, it's just, it's so I don't, revolutionary to me. Like, I, every now mm-hmm. and then I think I should start using it. Yeah, I, I I don't know I don't know if I have the uh, the brain power to to do <laughs> what or or guys like do you know Trevor Duvall from um, I do not me myself and I uh, let me let me plug me myself and I it's a YouTube show um, which uses uh, Iron Sworn uh, to okay. to generate but but he also keeps like camera angles uh, you know edit there's cuts it's beautifully done so check oh, okay. check that out and uh, your listeners might really enjoy that too me myself and I Trevor Duvall uh, can't recommend that highly enough he's fantastic cool okay yeah I don't I tend not to watch videos ever I, mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know why I've lost the patience to sit there in front of a screen and watch it yeah and that's the only reason I haven't gone that route right maybe because you work in you work in uh, with computers right yeah I work with computers yeah. all day on the screen I'm happy to yeah. get away from the screen the right. yeah the the emulators like what you're saying and just to add to it I think or, or maybe reiterate what you're saying is what what's if you're just doing it without the emulator you risk falling into a, a stereotype or, or a trope yes and just playing it out that way and if you do that that's fine it's just you know it's sort of expected you know what's going to happen it's got the beginning the middle and the end just just like every other story of that type right. with a, with a game like Mythic. You could try that, and sooner or later, it's going to throw a wrench in in your plans that you didn't realize, and now you got to deal with it. And right, it's and those wrenches. Those wrenches are <laughs> wildly creative too. I, mm-hmm. I think like that's that's the most exciting part is that when things zag the way you did not expect them to. Uh, I don't know about you, but usually my first and second and third ideas are not the best ideas I can oh, yeah. come up with. Uh, usually, my it's kind of like if you ever have like an argument with somebody and you say something that's lame and then like the next day you think, oh, you know what I should have said? It's like <laughs> your next idea, your much later idea yeah. is almost always like much better. And so I, th- I think like that kind of idea, <laughs> apply, apply that to writing or gaming and you just get better stuff. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It, it And it's not necessary, but it, it is nice to be able to have that to rely on when you need it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the important thing is there's no real wrong way to, to role play solo. Or in a group, as long as everybody involved is having fun with it. Hey, it's a game, so if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Exactly, yep. Yeah. So, so back to my <laughs> my track here. So what inspired you to start the podcast in the first place? I had, um, so I, I was one of these uh, guys that grew up in the 80s with the satanic mm-hmm. panic in D&D. And oh, so, yes, uh, uh, the good old days. Uh, yeah, right. And so uh, I, I've said this so many times, uh, if, if you weren't there, it's really hard to uh, appreciate how... Uh, how bad the stigma was, but it was really bad, mm-hmm. um, re- like really bad. And so uh, I gave up D and D as a high school kid, uh, just because I was uh, I, I was tired of um, facing the stigma. Like I didn't want to be a super geeks anymore. So like I wanted to be in a band and be cool. So I gave it up. <laughs> I joined a band. I tried to be cool. I got you know got a girlfriend. All that stuff. All that stuff that you're not allowed to have if you play D and D in the eighties. <laughs> and uh, and I gave it up and um, for decades, actually, for decades, I gave it up and I just kept the flame alive by, uh, you know, reading um, Game of Thrones and watching Lord of the Rings and um, just kind of like getting a fantasy fix here and there where I could, you mm-hmm. know, video video games, that kind of thing. Uh, it was never as good as, as my memory of gaming was, but it was good enough. And I figured that that was that. Anyway, pandemic comes along and I started listening to podcasts. I don't remember quite why. Uh, maybe my commute changed or something. I discovered uh, the Adventure Zone, which, uh, the McElroy Brothers Adventure Zone, and they were playing D&D. And it's just a it's like total goofball gonzo comedy show, which is not my preferred style, but they're so good. And their story was like so funny, but also very human and touching. It got the idea of podcasts in my mind. Like, and, and wow, it's like... Um, this is, this is so beautifully written and well thought out. I wonder if there's more out there like that. And so I scoured the internet looking for podcasts that, that I could enjoy that were RPG related, basically just getting my fix in a new way now through podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I had a hard time finding one that wasn't comedy focused, like a very hard time finding yeah. one that wasn't comedy focused to the point where it, it kind of like became a thing for me. I was like, why... It was like walking into uh, an oldie timey blockbuster video movie store and finding out that they had nothing but a comedy section. Where's the horror? Where's the action? Where's the drama? <laughs> everything is comedy, really. Every everything. And so, the the more I looked for a serious one, not ne- not serious serious necessarily, but something that reflected my gaming experience and mirrored that, just something that was like a D and D game that I knew. The the more I became frustrated that it didn't exist, and eventually. <laughs> I thought, I've got a studio here. I, I, I got a nice microphone. I, I think I could do this. And so I, start, I, I decided to give it a shot. But the pandemic also meant that I couldn't meet up with anybody. And so mm-hmm. the, end res, the end result uh, and the, the weird show that ended up kind of uh, being born is very much a child of the pandemic because it wouldn't have come out this way unless it had to, it came out the only way it could, which was like me doing it alone. Uh, and, um, all, yeah. of, all of the stuff that I had that I needed to make it already here. Like I, I just had no reason to, to not do it. It's like love RPGs want to do this love podcasts. There isn't one out there. There's like a niche for sure. I can't be the only one that wants this. <laughs> And I got I got some nice uh, studio equipment here. I, I know how to use a DAW. Let like I'm going to give this a shot. So so I did, and that was like 
year and a half ago. So I'm still a baby, I guess, in the podcasting world. Wow. Okay. So you you say you've only been doing this for a year and a half, but you've got Mm. 50, 55 or so episodes now, 56 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I guess I pump them out. Um, I, I think I, when I started out, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll lose listeners if I don't put out two a month at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I'm a teacher by trade. And so um, a summer came along pretty quickly after I started making it. And oh, so okay. I had all this free time. I started putting out three a month and um, then I just didn't stop doing that. And so that's my okay. schedule now, three a month. I imagine yeah. it's going to have to slow down at some point soon. If you're a teacher, I mean... Uh, there's there have been a couple of times where my workload in my real life has been so much that I've slowed down to two. But I keep up. I don't know if you do this, but I keep a buffer. Uh, so I'm like where my game is about five episodes ahead ahead of my release date. Part of it's just because there's a lot like putting the music and the mixing and getting voice actors to mm-hmm. get their stuff sent in and all. It all just takes time. And so having a buffer is is necessary. Otherwise, things would just gum up in the works all the time. Yep. Yeah, we we tend not to record ahead normally, mm-hmm. and uh, so if something comes up, we we'll miss a weekend. You know, it's just the way it is, I guess. Unfortunately, right, right. <laughs> and yeah, that that could be, that could be tough. Um, is there anything else folks should know about your show that we haven't covered? They should know that it's not for kids. That it mm-hmm. goes into. Uh, there there are some horror elements. I try not to be gratuitous with it. I don't get into profanity. I think I swear on the show one time every now and then I consider going back and changing that one word just to kind of make it uniform, but (laughs) whatever. I haven't done that yet. Uh, And there are a couple of times where there's, I guess, what would be called body horror. Um, And for those, I'll actually put Mm an extra disclaimer, a disclaimer ahead of the usual, this is for adults disclaimer. uh, And say like, when you hear this music, if you're sensitive, um, to graphic portrayals of violence, blah, 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 then you should, uh, you know, stop listening and just, and just pick it up at the recap that begins every episode next time. So, um, I try not to be like gratuitous. And of course it's, it's D and D. So there's, there's combat and the combat is, um, it's graphically violent with, um, I gra- graphic sound effects. Is that an oxymoron? You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry, evocative, we'll say evocative sound effects. Uh, and I'll, I'll lean into that. Like if, if, um, something is nasty and painful, I will definitely lean into it. It's, it's not a show for kids and it's not yeah. a show for, um, for people that don't, it, I, I would say like, if, if you like Game of Thrones, uh, I'm, I don't go as far as they do, um, in, in terms of like violence and sexuality and stuff like that, but I'm definitely in that camp. Okay. Okay. So it's not, it's not. If you're okay with Game of Thrones, you're okay with this. Yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> okay. so. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was an episode recently that was that was pretty dark. Well, I don't know how recent it was because I've been I, I I just listened to the whole thing in about three weeks. So I mean, I, know, I appreciate that. Wow, you do your homework. <laughs> when you it's, told me that, fun. I thought, wow, this guy's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like I really enjoy listening to a podcast when I first learn about it and go through the whole back catalog if I can. Yeah. Yeah. And, I always started the I always started at the beginning too. Yeah. And but then you you catch up and that suddenly slows down. It's like oh, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. That's rough. I, but, I hear that from people all the time, like uh, that they binge on the show and then they they kind of get up to date and then it's like oh yeah oh now I have to now I have to go, I, wait ten I days. You're doing an episode a day. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was an episode that was pretty dark that 
I was like, oh, I don't know that I want to listen to this anymore. And, you know, at the same time, I didn't want to skip on the story. So I, so I made my way through it and it was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 hopefully I don't go, I don't go too far. Like I won't, I won't get into like torture and stuff, I, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, I might allude to it, but I, I, I try not to describe it. There's, there's a couple of exceptions, but then again, those have the disclaimers. Yeah. Like you said, it's not for kids. It's just not intended for that audience. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Um, so you said you're you're using D&D. What version of D&D? Basic, actually. And again, it's not like a grognard kind of decision. Um, when I left the game, I was playing 2E. Okay. Um, so that's, that's kind of, I guess, the one that I know the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I played Basic to start, like a lot of people did back then. Graduated from that. Didn't expect to go back. I chose it actually just because it's simple and for a podcast, I didn't want to spend a lot of time explaining rules. Um, even, even to people who knew the rules, I didn't want to spend a lot of time going through them. And, you know, as much as I enjoy tables and charts and random rules, some of the later editions are just too crunchy, I think, to make for a good podcast. I mean, obviously some people do it well, the glass cannon, they're playing Pathfinder, which is super, super crunchy. Is it okay? And I mean, obviously it's working pretty well for them. They're doing okay. Uh, but for me, I wanted it to be extremely rules light. Things like uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, that would have been a good candidate. I just never heard of it when I started. I was I was coming back to, uh, to the table. It was an empty table, but I was coming back to the table. So I didn't <laughs> I, there, there, I, I was clueless. Like I didn't know what was out there. I hadn't heard of anything. I, I've still never played Fifth Edition D and D. Okay, I think I started playing a game with it with uh, my friend and, and our kids, and time time got in the way. We just weren't able to get very far, but that was fun. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I grew up with Second Edition also, so so that's uh-huh. my favorite. I really enjoyed listening to the the fact that D and D is great because it really makes me want to play D and D again, just doing all the saving throws and things like that. Yeah, and just yeah, yeah. The, the process of leveling your character and seeing what it unlocks. is it's just fun. It's a nostalgic trip for me to, to be looking through, unfortunately a PDF. I long, long, long left, left my real paper copies. I, who knows where they are now in the garbage, I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, but even going through like a PDF of the basic rule book is, is such a trip for me. Still, even, even now I've been doing this for like a year and a half, looking something up in basic expert and you see some piece of art and you're just like, Oh, Morgan iron wolf. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it is neat. to just, Wow. I remember this. I, I based my character off that and whatnot. Yeah, it, it brings back yeah. fun memories. Yeah. Super much. Yeah. Yeah. So much. It is a blast. Um, okay. So, so I would love for you to, I have been asking everybody to, to recommend something, a game that they like, or they play. Yeah. And it could be anything. It could be, actually, it doesn't have to be a game you like. It could be a game you hate so much. You want to tell people to avoid it. <laughs> tell, tell us about a game, any game you okay, want. Okay. I would love to. Um, this is one that probably doesn't need promotion, but in case some of your listeners haven't heard of this. Um, the Quiet Ear. Have you played The Quiet Ear yet? I I played it one solo and I fought, I struggled with that one. Really? Okay. Yes. So I've played this a few times and I mentioned I'm a high school teacher. Um, during the pandemic, we did a lot of our lessons and eventually all of our lessons uh, over Zoom, the way we're talking now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not ideal for school. And I feel bad for all of the teenagers who have to go through that. I feel bad for the teachers mm-hmm. too, to be honest. But so it's it's not good for everybody. 
I was finishing up a, um, a course on senior philosophy, and I, th- I thought, I'm going to try something I've never done. I'm going to play the quiet ear with my entire class. So um, the, the pitch is, for anyone who hasn't heard it, it's uh, a game that's kind of like the setup is it's, po- it's post-apocalyptic something, and you play an entire community. No, no named characters need exist. And you draw a map while you draw event cards out of, out of a deck of playing cards to say that certain things happen, like uh, you discover uh, something special or a stranger visits your community or there's a natural disaster or someone important dies or you know, basically just event cards happen. And at the end of the game, every, everyone is wiped out. So you actually know how it ends. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's got an ending, which is always tragic. But how you go from A to B is uh, generates a kind of a story and a map and a history all at once. So I thought this is a game for five people, I think, tops, like one to five people. Okay. I, I'm going to play it with 25 um, 18-year-old philosophy students and just wow. see what happens. Uh, and it's a drawing game. So I had to use like, um, I think it's Google Jamboards to basically okay. draw. It, it, it's like a cloud-based drawing thing. Uh, and so we played it and it worked beautifully, actually. It worked so well that um, I, I'll be playing that game as my end of course uh, celebration, I guess. Uh, okay. Every time I teach it, I'm teaching it right now. So I'll be playing it again in January with my current uh, group. And the reason it works so well for philosophy is that it brings up a lot of ethical dilemmas mm-hmm. that have to be sussed out through conversations Um and it's, it's just a really, people throw around the word uh, elegant game design system, but I really feel like that is an appropriate word for this system. The designers, the name, the name or names escape me, I can't remember. Um, they've come up with this idea which really just puts the writer's pen into the player's hands. And I love that. It's you don't feel like you're playing a story that they wrote out and you're going through the the certain uh, phases. You really feel like they're giving you all of the creative generative power. And so that's really well thought out. It just It's just a really fun game. Um, and you can play it silly or you can play it serious and highly, rec- highly recommend it for um, small groups. It also works for big groups and teachers, if you're listening, it works for really big groups too. If if your students can, um, if if you can get them to buy in. <laughs> okay, yeah, it is. It is a neat game. I do think it'll work great multiplayer. I found it hard solitaire because um, I could imagine conflict that. in the game, and yeah. the conflict, a lot of conflict comes up from you coming up with ideas and me coming up with other ideas that are different. And just having yeah. one person coming up with ideas going in the same direction just for me it didn't work other people i haven't i haven't played it solo but i i totally hear you i I imagine that you want to bounce ideas off people and see their reaction and also have them react to your idea right yep and like we talked about earlier like with the gmes come up with things i would have never thought of right yeah exactly exactly. and and take things in new directions there's a game that it reminds me of that's similar without drawing let me see it's um microscope have you heard of microscope have played it actually so um, there's another podcaster, a guy that does a podcast called The Red Caps, and he asked me, along with yet another podcaster, James Schrall of Subclass Act, uh, to come and play um, Microscope with mm-hmm. him and just see if we could uh, generate um, the history of a intelligent sword. That's what he wanted to oh, do. Was, okay. let's, let's get together and, and generate the history of intelligent sword. 
I liked it. I'll, I liked it. I'll say this. I like the quiet year better. I felt oh, okay. that, uh, I felt that microscope was a little too open ended for us and it, things didn't tie together as well. At least I, I played it one time. So okay. I take it with a grain of salt. Um, and I also didn't know the rules. I learned the rules on the fly. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, the Quiet so, Year is guided, yeah. where this game is, is very open-ended. That's right. Quiet Year has a, a, a definite a definite end, which is kind of the same no matter what you do. And I think that that actually does help glue all of the events together. Whereas Microscope, I think you set bookmarks, don't you? I, I'm trying to remember the specifics, but I think mm-hmm. you set you set the beginning and the end. Right, yeah. and then fill it in over time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I guess at the end of the day, I'd say that microscope for me had too much leash, and Quiet Ear has like just exactly perfect amount of leash to let I you run wild, but not too crazy. <laughs> not, yeah, yeah, that could be a risk. One of the, and to go back to the Quiet Ear, one of the things just to, to make it clear, when you said events happen, and it could be like a stranger shows up in your village. That's yeah. about the whole text of the description. A stranger. Yeah, that's shows about up. it. That could yeah. mean anything. That could that could mean a. a a strange animal we've never seen or somebody's uncle that nobody else recognizes or whatever you want. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I love that game. And um, I'm, I'm always like trying to recruit people to play it. <laughs> <laughs> once, this darn, once this darn pandemic's over, I'll be playing a lot of quiet year, I think. Nice. Okay. Th- there are a lot of games in that similar style of play with different themes and slightly different mechanics. And they're all such a neat genre, such yeah. a neat style of playing. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I took that um, the idea of the cards. Um, I don't. I don't know. To me, it, it struck me as very original, and so I. I don't even know if I've mentioned to you, but I put together a, a solo or basically a one to five players game. Don't even know if I even mentioned it to you, which I should have because that's <laughs> totally what you're about. <laughs> um, and it's a it's a it's a dungeon crawl game. It's, so it's okay. like a classic RPG tropes dungeon crawl game. It's called One Shot in the Dark. I'll I'll send it to you after we're done. And okay. um, but I'm a little bit afraid because you guys review games uh, ruthlessly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Julius does not like role playing games. Not so. Oh, well, I know, <laughs> I know. And so I'm a little bit nervous. I'm going to send it to you anyway. But um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I think he might roast it. But we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Now, Albini, that's, uh, that's right. You did make a game, and it's a role-playing game, and yeah. it uses a similar card draw mechanic. It, it does. Similar. It's not, it's not a clone or anything, but it, I, I did take that idea of mm-hmm. drawing cards to generate events from uh, from The Quiet Year. Mm-hmm. And you and you had an episode of your podcast that you dedicated to the game, and you show people yeah. how it works. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I recently, I, I think I threw it out at the end of that episode. You know, if folks would like me to finish the game, because I only did 15 minutes of it as a demo, mm-hmm. um, to let me know. And, and I got enough response that I have finished the game. And that's that's actually coming out ah, okay. in like a week. I think it's coming out in a week. Cool. The okay. conclusion. Oh, very exciting. <laughs> well, actually, because of the magic of the internet, it'll have already come out. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, it's old news. Yeah. yeah. So go back and check them out. The two episodes. <laughs> Very cool. I don't know that I have anything else to, to ask you about or, or specifically to delve into. Uh, really enjoy your show. I think folks should Thank check you. it out. It's it's a really high quality solo role playing experience. Um, there are all sorts of things I could comment, ask you about it, and whatnot. But but I think people should just check it out and, and listen to it, and enjoy the magic because because it's just neat. 
Thank you so much for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really glad to get a chance to talk to you face to face. I've been mm-hmm. enjoying your show a lot and just going through your back catalog is too big for me to get all done. Uh, it's Don't huge. listen to the old ones. They're just oh. But I, I have been cherry picking. I have been cherry picking at your back catalog and I've been having a lot of fun with it. So thanks for making that show. Cool. cool. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractalude on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.